We would like to introduce the Local Legends series. These episodes, we will be chatting with some of the best on-track talent I have ever had the pleasure to see play on the track and have the ultimate experience as a fan that has turned player to share the track with them in scrimmages and games. This is Half Calf Giraffe, and you are listening to Out From Under the Bed, a Meowder Limits production. Good afternoon. You are listening to Out From Under the Bed. I am your host, The Boogeyman, joined by my co-host and co-producer, my lovely wife, Master Sedator. Hey, hey! Today, we are recording from the beautiful Castle Sinclair. Today, we are featuring one of our very own beloved retired local legends, Dolly De Los Muertos of the Arizona Derby Dames. Today she is going to hear, you are going to hear her story on how she got to the roller derby and how she's still within the community wearing the stripes. Also, I would like to mention when I came over here with my youngest daughter, she was convinced that she met a real live witch. Let's welcome Dolly De Los Muertos to the program. (laughs) Thank you very much. (laughs) And she did, she did meet a real live witch, by the way. Thank you for letting us come over today and do the interview. Skate the ramp, always a good time, and for the breakfast, very good. Thank Anytime, you very much. So, was roller skating something you did as a child, or an activity you got into as an adult? Um, I started skating when I was four. I had those really cool metal skates with the lock in the middle, and um, I—I'll tell you a little story about that. Um, I got the skates. I was super stoked. Um, I would wear them with my sneakers, but they would always bend in the middle. So I found like my really nice patent leather, black, nice shoes that my mom got me to get dressed up in. And they worked perfect because they were nice and hard. (laughs) My mom wasn't stoked about it, but yeah, I used to skate in those destroyed my really nice dress shoes. And yeah, I've been skating since I was four years old. Awesome. Hell yeah. (laughs) So when did roller derby show up on your radar? Um, in like 2004 or three, um, my husband was traveling. He traveled a lot for work and he was watching A&E when he was like um, sleeping in hotels or whatever. And they had the roller girls program on and he called me. He's like, oh my gosh, you got to check this shit out. Roller derby. Have you heard of roller derby? I'm like, well, yeah, I've heard of roller derby. He's like, well, it's really happening right now. And I'm watching this show. It's a cool show. And I checked it out. And when he came home from that, um, that work trip, we looked up local roller derby and found, um, AZRD. And there just so happened to be about that weekend. And we went and I loved it. It was fucking rad. And, um, the skaters that stood out were, um, oh gosh, now I can't, I lost their names. I'll think of their names in a minute, but there were a few skaters that stood out and I was like, I totally want to do this. When we left, um, that bout, when we were walking out, there were some people standing out there handing out flyers for tryouts and I'm like, I'm doing it. And, um, turn out the tryouts were not for AZRT, <laughs> but I had no idea it was for a new league AZDD. And that's how I found roller derby. And what made you really want to get involved other than it being something fun 
to like check, you know, like you saw it and were like, man, that was cool. What made you want to be a part of it? Um, well, to be hanging out with a bunch of cool chicks sounded great. Um, I, at the time, my health, my mental health and my physical health was at an all time low and I needed something to make me happy, something to make me physical, something healthy. And, um, I felt like that was it. And, um, I really needed it and, um, I found it and I did it and it did do all those things. Wait, what year was that that you ended up going to tryouts? Uh, 2005. Okay. Okay. And at the time you mentioned that it was for the Derby Dames. Yeah. So that was more or less like a sister league to the Arizona roller, uh, (laughs) Arizona roller derby at the time, or was that just strictly a rivalry thing? Was that, well, was that some kind of sketchy business to be passing out <laughs> flyers for tryouts at not? Yeah, yeah, I think that was pretty sketchy. <laughs> but doing some guerrilla marketing. Yeah, guerrilla marketing. Yeah, that was, I mean, I think about it now, I'm like, damn, that was kind of messed up. Um, and I didn't even know, like, I thought I was trying out for Arizona roller derby. I thought right. that's what, and then I didn't, I don't even think I put two and two together that I wasn't right off the bat either after the tryouts but it worked out but yeah that that will technically was not cool (laughs) and azrd like the original people at the time listening to this are probably like motherfuckers Uh, and i i get it but you know hey it's been a long time and i'm still stoked that i you know i'm here yeah still stoked you picked that flyer up yeah because i mean when i got that flyer that when I found that there was men's roller derby, there was just like a little bit of power within holding that flyer in my yeah. hand. Like, man, like, yep, this is something I have to do now. Like yep. from being a ref, I was like, I, I got to get out of ref <laughs> now that I can play somewhere. Yep. And um, so that was fucking rad. Where was this tryout held at? Great Skate still or a different place? Not Great Skate. It was at a, a skating rink. I think it was Tempe that's no longer there it's been um demolished since and that was called surfside yes yes i think it was (laughs) thank you (laughs) um how do you having you know a decent background in roller skating showing up to the tryout did you kind of breeze through that or were you like too nervous to breeze through it what was that like for you i was cool i was good you know i I did kind of breeze through it i'm not gonna say i was like some badass right off the bat but i could skate i didn't fall you know i could sprint around but you know at the time it was a new league they didn't even have azdd didn't even have teams yet um i don't even know how many people were actually on the league at that time probably maybe five ten total you know the the founders and probably a few of their friends or something so that tryouts is where they got their teams from so everybody that tried out made it (laughs) and um you know like my my best friend ginger mortis she tried out with me we went together because me and her do everything together all these crazy adventures that we've had but um she was holding on to the wall the whole time (laughs) so i mean she wasn't a skater you know, before that, I don't think, but she was holding on the wall at the tryouts, but she made it too. We all made it. And, um, yeah, we did good. <laughs> so you mentioned there was, 
you know, maybe quite a few people there. How many people do you think were at that initial tryout to field teams like that? Wow, I haven't thought about this in a long time, but I would say there were probably probably maybe about 25, 30. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh, the, good turnout. That's yeah. a really good turnout mm -hmm. for sure. But, you know, this has been 18 years now, so it's, mm -hmm. my memory is um, kind of being jogged, but we'll see how good I do. <laughs> I think you're, I think you're going to be okay. Um, All right. I mean, I've seen a lot of the pictures that have been floating around <laughs> yeah. since, uh, I don't know, by coincidence, possibly since I've mentioned coming on the show. I'm like, I love this, you know, I love Yeah, the things. Facebook memories that yes. are popping up Yeah, I love for it. all the old school people that are yeah. reposting. Yeah. I saw today, I saw um, season one or two of the bombshells. It was 2007. Um, something came up with the team and it was just a small group at the time. Yeah, the teams were small yeah. to begin with. Yeah, almost Iron Man. <laughs> yeah. Have you at the time? No yeah. one taking breaks. Maybe, nope. Maybe yeah. one person because that's your jammer that's going every other yep. time. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I have stories about that, but we can talk about that maybe later. Oh, absolutely. Um, all right. So did you have skates and everything showing up to the tryout or did you have to rent them? I had to rent them. I didn't have any skates. All right. Um how soon after the tryout <laughs> did you get your own skates and gear? So when I got placed on a team, then my husband and I were like, okay, you're getting, we're getting skates. So I got my first set of skates from Surfside. <laughs> I got some black Carreras okay. and whatever they came with. Just like your standard derby package at the time, yeah. kind of. Yeah, because that's that's another reason why I like this, why I started the show, because you playing back before, you know, certain places sold roller skates or, you know, maybe you might get lucky at the local skate rink that's banging them off the counter or what yep. have you. Or you just had to take your chances online <laughs> yep. and see what fit. And if they didn't, your skating was skates too big yep. or too small yep. for the season. So you yep. just had to. Yeah. And nobody, no, like I had questions at the time, like, what are these wheels? Well, there's different kinds. What's the difference? Why would I want harder? Why would I want softer? Like I wasn't that great of a skater. I've been skating for a long time, but I wasn't that kind of a skater where I understood all of that. So. Yeah. So, and nobody can answer my questions. The questions were like answered weird like one time i asked how do i skate faster move your feet faster was the answer so <laughs> you know it, we were rough in it and with gear it was you know you did the best you could yeah i mean i see some of the pictures from back in the day too like from all over the place like i mean somebody some skaters had barely even a knee pad like a fisher yep. price one yeah. and shit. like what is this what oh yeah is that? that yes. is out of control yeah that that lack of knowledge and experience made it extra dangerous in the beginning for sure there were i i am certain there are multiple people that tried out who got injured and never made it past that because of it and it sucks and i feel bad about it now because i was one of those trainers but um like now i think roller derby is a little bit more conscious about making sure somebody trying out isn't getting hurt or they're wearing somewhat proper gear to prevent that yeah because i i you know i at least had a sidewalk surfer yeah. to go purchase skates from and uh certain gear and what have you 
Um, but yeah, I had that spot to like go try something on at least and be like, okay, these will work. But yeah, I, the, so, the calamity stories of yes before my time are something else. <laughs> Master's got her own calamity stories when yeah. she started yeah, out too. Geez. Now she's like the league liaison when it comes to gear. <laughs> nice. I, know, I was telling somebody at uh, the recruitment night like, Please just come to me with any questions, like toe stops, anything. I've spent way too much money trying to figure it out myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yep. absolutely. So was this going to be your first team sport? No. What team sports did you play? Oh, previous? man. Well, when I was a kid, I used to go to Little League Baseball and watch my sister's brother. He was like a stepbrother to me at the time play. And I really wanted to play Little League, but they're like, you're a girl. And I was like, but girls can do anything boys can do. And they didn't let me play. But then shortly after that, I think fifth grade is when I started my first sport. I played softball from fifth grade, fifth grade through um, grade school, high school. Out, I did like leagues outside of graduating. Um, but I also played volleyball. Um, I, I skateboarded for a while. Um, I did kickboxing or that's not a sport. Um and neither was skateboarding. You said sports. skateboarding is a sport. Okay, skateboarding is a sport. Yeah. Well, not like not like a team not sport, a team you know. Sport. Oh well. Yeah. Individual basis, but yeah, team sports. No. So it was for team sports. It was softball for many years and volleyball. What positions did you play? I was a pitcher. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was a catcher. Oh, I start my first year was a catcher, but then every year after that I was a pitcher. Okay. Okay. What about volleyball? Um. I, I guess I did all the positions. Oh, okay, yeah. I only played that for a few years, yeah. but I loved volleyball. Sweet. Oh, right. Same, mm -hmm. same. Yep. And I snowboarded for a lot of years. That was also like skateboarding. I loved snowboarding. Um, I'd go every weekend and I would hit all of the, the parks and the, the jumps and I would travel a little bit too and go to like Crested Butte and mm -hmm. California, different spots. Oh, fun. Pulling up to that first roller derby practice, how nervous were you prior to getting out of your car? I don't even remember the first practice. <laughs> I don't well, know. these have been a long time. Yeah, so let me think for a second. So the first, I mean, I could probably think about the beginning, the, the general beginnings of practice. Um, we used to practice at Surfside. And then... I mean, how I felt, I was nervous and, um, but excited at the same time. So the nervous feeling and the excited feeling are technically the same. And Ginger always tells me, if you're nervous, just pretend that you're excited. Hey, and that's <laughs> yeah, what my therapist tells me to do. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, but it was nerve wracking, but the cool thing was everybody was new and, there there was like no expectation of you being a badass right off the bat because everybody was learning we were all totally new there were a few people on the league that came from azrd the founders and they were pretty good they were good skaters um and they were teaching us but i don't i i it was more excitement than it was nervous because there were not major expectations yet yeah, because, you know, like like you said, everybody from the tryout made it. And so yep. that first practice was a, a lot of people that 
you know, we're doing it for their very first times as well, instead of like seasons into it being that new skater and you see these people flipping around and doing all this crazy ass shit and like pace line drills and you're just getting busy watching it because it's different. Yeah. It's different now because you're inside the building. You're not a fan. You're there. Yeah. And it's a dizzying feeling like seeing the athleticism that's happening before your eyes other than just being a fan of it. Yeah, it was it was um fun. I was having a damn good time. Couldn't wait to go. Yeah, yeah. Hell yeah. What kind of skills were there? What kind of drills and skills were shown to new skaters at the time? <laughs> Let's see. Um, so we were, you know, just staying up on your skates. Um, the typical, you know, go fast, stop. Um, plow stops, uh, the turnaround tomahawk stop, um, crossovers, and what else? Yeah, the, just the basic foundation of being able to maneuver and uh, speed up and slow down and stop. Okay. Which was really hard for a lot of us for a long time. Like, I couldn't cross... So having experience going in skating yeah. for that long um the um the roller derby type of maneuvers like what kind of challenges did you find from those the the roller derby maneuvers yeah, from you know just kicking around at the rink now mm. you're doing something different you're right stopping or turning around did you right. feel that so there were some things that came really easy to me like okay, yeah. um running i could run on my toe stops from the get-go um I couldn't cross over though. And the, the reason I was, there's one thing that I want to say about me with the skating and all the sports, I was born with club feet. So technically crippled, I have one foot shorter than the other, a leg shorter. And then like when I bend my knees, I can't, I physically cannot keep my heel on the ground with my left foot. So there's some challenges. I do things different. So going left and doing crossovers was a nightmare for me. But as soon as we would go right, like sometimes you want to go the opposite direction, you know, at practice, I could do crossovers from the get-go too. So for me, it was figuring out how to do all those roller derby, um, all the footwork and all those maneuverable things going left because I have this leg that isn't like everybody else. (laughs) Yeah, um, that was actually one of my questions because previous I have, we have you know talked about this in a, other conversations so it was mm. going into the sport did you have any physical challenges yeah, yeah. so that you was answered it. that one without even me asking it so thank you <laughs> yeah and it, i mean that's good too because you know you went into it handicapped but you still fucking excelled in the sport thanks the way you did so i mean People listening to this, roller derby can be for everybody for, you know, actually the most part, you know, because going into it, you know, I wasn't handicapped or anything, but I had hardware and shit in my ankle already. So Mm -hmm. there was a limited things I could do as well, but I had to overcome it and figure it out. Well, with, with those physical issues that I had, it, I think it helped me help others because, um, the way I trained people, because I eventually became trainer too, is you know, if you're trying to accomplish something on skates, 
you know, not everybody has to do it exactly the same way. As long as you're safe when you're doing it, you're not being a dick and you get, you know, there efficiently and you're making whatever it is happen, who gives a shit? There's right? no textbook yes. way of doing it. Yes. And I think as, as trainers, we almost sometimes, I sometimes forget that of like, yes, we're teaching you different ways about doing anything so you can find what's best for you on how to like cut yeah. the track yep. and stuff like that. Too. Yep. So yeah, yep. that's what I like about skating. Everybody's good at different things. And mm -hmm. so it's, it's fun to cheer each other on. Yep. Yeah. In the early... <clears throat> In the early resurgency of roller derby, was it structured to ease skaters into contact or was it hits just after a few practices? I think we were hitting and fighting like almost immediately. We would practice fighting, like how to do takedowns. And we were fighting, but not like really like we're trying to fight, fight. It was playful, but. Uh, still aggressive you know some people took it too far and hurt people <laughs> oh god <laughs> and you know or didn't do the take down take down correct and that can you know hurt somebody for life for sure and i oh, know yeah. there's multiple people with those stories but yeah we were we were doing that probably from the get-go probably within the first few practices yeah because Nowadays, it's structured a little bit better instead mm -hmm. of just throwing people in there. Yeah. You know, like my story with contact is like, I just wanted, I wanted to do it, mm -hmm. you know, from like playing football and shit. I wasn't scared to get hit, you mm -hmm. know, so I went into it with that attitude. So it was like, all right, a couple practices. I'm sturdy enough. Like, go ahead. Let's, let's do this. But it is structured a lot different even yeah. from that time to like today because you really have to demonstrate how safe you can be before mm -hmm. you're going to get hit by one of those veteran skaters in a practice or a scrimmage. Yeah. I loved hitting. That was one of my favorite things about roller derby when I was playing competitively, getting, taking a hit, giving a hit. You know, we did a lot of that. Like in the beginning, it was a freaking train wreck, but eventually, you know, there was skill that showed up and we got really good at, knocking the fuck out of each other <laughs> so you mentioned at the beginning you got into roller derby to find you know something that's gonna you know basically keep you on track mentally and have you know help you out mm -hmm. so during these beginning of stages going to practices getting into it how confident did you start feeling within yourself off of the track to accomplish just everyday stuff prior to maybe what you were before wow um it really helped me be more confident in how i presented myself in the world um it, it gave me the courage to do a lot of the things that i dreamed of doing like i wasn't scared to talk to people anybody like i'll talk to anybody if there's something i want to do and somebody i want to meet i'm going to make it happen and i feel like roller derby gave me that power it also gave me the skill to um communicate better with people and like it, there's just so much from playing roller derby that helped me in my everyday life 
a hundred percent. Absolutely. Uh, I, you know, master and I both feel the same way, um, about getting involved in the sport and how it can be absolutely life-changing for once sure. getting involved for the absolute better. What were some of the drills you couldn't wait to learn how to do? Oh, I really like pace lines. So pace lines were fun. Whips, giving each other whips. You don't see that much anymore. But um, whips were a lot of fun. And if you know how to do it, it's it's useful. Um, besides, so whips, pace lines, what else? Leg whips, all those weird, <laughs> like, fun things. The turnaround whips. The under the leg action. <laughs> the under the leg action. Like, all that fun, flashy stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I was excited to learn that just because it was silly and, and exciting. And, and it required some skill and and to learn it. Um, yeah, those were my fun things. <laughs> and with the uh, practicing the leg whips and all the fun whips. That... I, I, I have to say, I, I never could do a leg whip. <laughs> oh, <neither. laughs> but I tried. Yeah. Neither could I. Or even the under the leg one, because, uh-huh. you know, like you said, during that time, you guys were doing the the fight, the the fake fighting and the takedowns and stuff. So stuff like that from old school bank track derby, watching it on TV. That was more of the sports entertainment type mm-hmm. of aspect with the penalty wheel and stuff. Yep. You know, we're probably going to talk about Ugh. that today. Yes. <laughs> I did. I did see a leg whip at Roller Rage. Uh, it was. Yes. um Quadzilla and Rolamite, they did the leg whip, and it was rad. Yeah, we watched <laughs> we watched so many of those games on TV. Yeah. Um. So, what were some of the drills that made you groan, but you were just glad you did them afterwards? Um, the sprinting forever. Um, the falls. So I, because of my foot, I always had a hard time with um plow stops. I can't do a plow stop. I probably never will be able to do a plow stop and I don't really care. So take that. But <laughs> I can't, I just can't, my foot don't do that. Sorry. But, um, so I would, I hated when we were doing drills that required, um, me to do things that my foot just wouldn't do because it, it upset me. But uh, like we talked earlier, I got past it and, you know, as long as I could accomplish what the, the, task was in my way, then that's how I did it. But a lot of the um, trainers, because everybody was new and everybody was trying to do simple things, um, they weren't thinking, oh, maybe this person physically just can't do this. Like their foot won't turn that way. You know, no matter how much you tell me to do it, it's not going to do it. Um, So that's what I hated. I hated when I was being told to do something I knew that I just probably physically will never be able to do. And to this day, I still can't do a plow stop and I'm not gonna, but I, I try. (laughs) So there, that's, that's mine. Yeah. I can't physically turn my leg like this Yeah, to like scoot in front of somebody and block them to like slow down. I have to like do that kind of stomp and then hit with my lower half first because I physically can't turn my foot and leg to go like that because okay. of the rod now and the previous uh, yeah so hey the step and body works for me yeah worked for this many years yeah um so when you 
When you first started, was there a veteran skater within the league that you admired? Yes. The person, all right, it was my captain. It was Susie Homewrecker was the person that I admired. She was amazing on her skates. Um, she was colorful, theatrical, um, and she was a, you know, had been a skater prior, came from Texas roller derby originally. And um, she was my captain and she was badass on skates. And that's who I admired. That was the first person I admired skating. Awesome. How soon after starting was your first scrimmage? Or was that just oh. like you said a few <clears throat> times in, you guys broke into a scrimmage? Wow. I, I honestly, I'm sorry. I don't remember how soon after. Um, but I'll tell you what, when we did scrimmage, I had no fucking idea what the hell was going on or what I was supposed to do. And it, it seemed like nobody had any idea what to tell me either. You know, everybody was struggling just to stay together in a pack. And, um, but yeah, we did it. <laughs> <laughs> so okay with with that information how did drafting teams work at that time oh so after the first tryouts which i was there at the first tryouts um uh, i don't know how they picked who went to what team but they everybody passed tryouts and then they they just decided the captains picked who they wanted or apparently oh during that, that time oh. yeah for the tryouts and then um and then they created these teams the three first teams at azdd were the coffin draggers the bombshells and the brutal beauties those were the teams that started the league and i was drafted to the coffin draggers me and ginger both were we and which was perfect and me and ginger have always been pretty creepy you know i'm always wearing all black and loving all the creepy things so maybe they looked at everybody and said she's creepy she let's put her on that she looks like a bombshell she looks like a brutal beauty i honestly think that may have been how they chose who went to what team like yeah. they looked at you and said i think you would enjoy this theme kind of thing right okay. mm -hmm. and i think they did a good job yeah, I do. Um, when I talked to Abby, I asked her, "Was it by circumstance that <laughs> a lot of the girls on the coffin draggers had to de had names to deal with death or dying?" And uh, she was like, "Kind of." Yeah, you know, but sometimes it was just by happenstance. But but my name was Dolly de los Muertos before I was on the team, so I was just so that's from the get go. <laughs> We're about to get into that one. <laughs> so. Well, we'll go ahead and we'll go ahead and jump right into it then. Your the genesis of Dolly De Los Muertos and your derby number. Okay, so Dolly De Los Muertos is a playoff of the holiday Dia De Los Muertos, and one 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 two or eleven one two. It's November first and second for the Day of the Dead, and the reason I chose that name is kind of something I don't really share a lot, but I'll say it. Um, I have, um, I, I am somewhat clairvoyant. How about that? Okay. And I don't like do anything about that on a regular basis. It just happens when it happens. And, um, I've had some pretty intense moments with it. And I, I, I guess I'm a little bit obsessed with the other side cause we're all going to go there eventually. And 
I love that I have had these connections because it just reassures me that I, you know, everybody believes what they believe, but the things that I've had happen with the clairvoyancy, I know that there's something after this. And uh, anyway, so that's where that was coming from. Hell yeah. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. cool. I like that. Thanks. I love these. I love those yeah. stories of the name and numbers. So you had that name going into it. That was a handle you always gone by then? No. It was because or... okay, I'm a I'm joining roller derby. Okay. I made the tryouts. This is my name. All right. I thought maybe that was a handle you went by previous no. to roller no, derby. No. Okay. It wasn't. Um how did you feel playing your first game in front of a crowd oh wow that was cool i remember the first bout um we had uh, we had a a big old coffin that the coffin draggers pulled out it was like a wooden um coffin and it was the whole we were at where was it we were at the castle sports club (laughs) yeah that's our floor now at our warehouse oh sweet yeah that's nice so the castle and oh man we had a band there we had i think we had beers there there were a ton of people that showed up everybody had their new uniforms it was so exciting it was really cool i made like this big trophy for whoever won the first bout and um it was great who the bombshells won the first bout and that was more or less the inaugural game yeah. for the league at that yeah. time. You know, your yep. very first game. See, yep. we got some history here, Daddy. I do. It was the very first uh, AZDD bout at the castle, and it was a lot of fun. <laughs> it was amazing. Leading into game days, being a spiritual person and what have you, did you have any routines or rituals to prepare you for the glorious <laughs> gladiator sport of roller yes. derby? Well, I mean, I, I don't do anything super weird, probably similar to what a lot of people, I play really loud, aggressive, crazy, like I'm going to come and get you and knock you off your skates kind of music. Um, just getting in that mind frame of going out there and playing hard and having the energy and all that sort of thing. Oh yeah. I scream at myself in the mirror. Do you? Yeah. That's funny. Just tell myself to stay the <clears throat> fuck out of my own way, you know, cause mm-hmm. only you can beat you. Yep. You know, I heard Gary Busey say that. So another lunatic, <laughs> you know, I, I grabbed that information from another lunatic mm-hmm. to use that because I am a lunatic because people are just wet paper <laughs> at that point, you know, like I'll take their best hit. I'll give them my best one because only me can beat me, you know? So I use that going into games. But yeah, I love hearing the. Yeah, I don't. I definitely. <clears throat> excuse me. I definitely wasn't clear-headed the first season. Like usually, um, be up until probably the third jam, it's all a blur. And then the first season, actually, all the other jams were a half a blur anyway. But um, it, it was definitely intense. But as I got more experienced, I started to work on the the mind thing and staying calm and and being present and all that sort of stuff so that you can actually slow things down a little Mm -hmm. bit and know where you're at and what you're doing. But season one was all about freaking go fast, be crazy. I mean, season one, this is insane, but we were drinking sparks 
and Red Bulls in the locker. (laughs) (laughs) It was insanity. And and like I, there was one and we'd be partying the night before there was one bout, like probably, I don't know if it was season one or season two, but I was just sitting there on the bench going, I'm going to die. I think I'm going to (laughs) die. I I need to chill out. I need to take care of myself. (laughs) I need, because I wanted to keep playing roller derby. And so like, it kind of slowed me down in my being nuts, partying and all that. But yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, for the, for the record, I never drank Sparks or Red Bull in the locker room because I, maybe I had the history of being an athlete before me. It was more um, the night before going out or whatever and not sleeping or whatever, but there were, there were coolers of sparks and Red Bulls and who knows what else in everybody's locker room. It was insane. What positions did you enjoy playing through your progression in roller derby? I I really enjoyed all of the positions, blocker, pivot, jammer. I like, I played all three. Um, and I think playing all three made me better at each of them. So I really liked playing all positions and I did play all. I was in the jammer lineups often and pivot. I did, I did all of it. Yeah. I personally, I like running the cycle, but yeah. jamming only necessarily. Yeah. Cause I'd rather block mm-hmm. being a tiny guy. I'm an effective blocker. Yeah. Not a very good jammer from time to time. Yeah. I've had my moments in each position. Master rolling her eyes when I say that. <laughs> Aww. Not all jammers like being jammers. Like, yeah. just deal with it. You're good. Just get out there. Aww. <laughs> Go score some points. <laughs> yep. Go score points. That's yeah. why I said when necessary. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I think probably at least half or more jammers don't actually really like being a <laughs> right. jammer. But everybody wants to jam because you want to score the points. Yes. But yes. when you're on the line, you're like, fuck, why am I here? Yes. Oh my God. So no, from a performer aspect of it, you do kind of like get those individual pictures and stuff. You know, you're just not like in the pack doing something cool. You're like <laughs> by yourself doing something cool or like busting through yeah. the pack. So I do like getting my picture taken star as a jammer. You got the star on. Head. Yeah. It's, that's what really jacks me up about doing it. I'm like, all right, I'll do it. Get the picture taken a couple times this game. <sighs> Fuck that's <yeah>. awesome. <laughs> so. <clears throat> How was the transition for you going from playing flat track to bank track? Oh man, I was so excited because prior to playing roller derby, I, I said I skateboarded, I snowboarded. So I love, I always love being on wheels or moving fast on like a slope or uneven ground. So when we went from flat to banked, I was excited, but you know what? Um, Prior to that, though, we did do some practices at uh, skate parks. The Wedge. Yeah, the Wedge and a a couple other ones. So it wasn't the first time I was on uneven ground on my roller skates. But going from flat track to bank track, I was really excited. The first time I was on a bank track was at Battle on the Bank 2 in Texas. And the whole, that was the whole, that was the first time the whole league was on a bank track and it was really fun. And we got our asses handed to us. The first team AZDD played ever on a bank track at, um, uh, battle on the bank was team legit. And I don't know if you are familiar with team legit, but, um, I think the score was like 
two or 300 to single digits. And it was the most fun I ever had getting my ass kicked. Awesome. <clears throat> yeah, it was amazing. How, how was the track construction process? Were you a part of that? Yes. Um, are you talking about when we first got the track? When you first got the track. If oh. Got built up. Okay. Stuff so like that. Were you a part of that process? No. And, or was it, you know, something that could have been beneficial for the skaters to participate in the putting together process, be familiar with the track? So we've got, we got the plans from Bitchy Kitten from LA Derby Dolls. LA Derby Dolls really helped us out with the transition. I was at the lead, at the time I was one of the league trainers for AZDD and we, we finally saved enough money to build a bank track and they sent me and the other, I think six league trainers to LA for a two day training uh, with Tara Armoff and PETA and a few other of their trainers. And we spent like eight hours each day getting trained on the bank track. It was brutal. We were just exhausted by the end. Um, and then when we came back, um, as far as the, the build goes, the plans came from Bitchy Kitten. And then Kelly, Ellie Mayhem's husband, he's an engineer, he um, helped with building the track. Leia helped with building the track. There were multiple people who uh, participated in making it happen, but the actual first build, like, I don't know if I was a part of, like, that, but, uh, but you know that we used to yeah, take it apart yeah. and build it back up and take it apart because we were practicing in the warehouse and then we were bouting at the Coliseum. So every bout night, we about we would have to take that track apart, load it up, drive it over to the Coliseum, build it, skate all day, and then after skating, take it apart, load it up, get it back to the warehouse, and then the next day everybody would put the track back together again. I did participate in that. Yeah, because, uh, you know, I would think that would make you more familiar with the surface you're skating on. Like, mm -hmm. this is what I'm skating on, so if I'm helping put it together, yep, kind of I'll feel better about it. Yep. I don't know. That's why I don't yep. go ride rides at a carnival. Yeah, I got to put my name. I'm just putting that fucking thing together. <laughs> That's funny. So I, I do, my name is written on the track somewhere, or it was, I don't know. They probably replaced stuff by now, but a lot of us tagged the track in the beginning and my name is on there. Heck yeah. <laughs> how long was that process on bout days? Like how, like what time do you have to start tearing it down? Oh, early. We started early. I'm trying to remember, like, I know probably the first few times it, it, it was long. It was hours and hours, but then we got it like where everybody was freaking of system it was quick um i would say at least a couple hours okay it was at the end of the night i'm i'm bad at that i don't remember what the times but i know it took a long time the, the beginning yeah i'll bet playing at the madhouse on mcdowell yeah how <laughs> <laughs> how were those experiences for you getting to play in such a legendary building oh, man that was huge but you know what so our very first bank track bout was not at the coliseum it was the country thunder right no or before <clears throat> it was at um 
was in the parking lot over by the Coyote Stadium at the time, I think, way out in Glendale. Okay. <clears throat> it was in a parking lot. All right. And, I didn't um, know this. Yeah, we, were, we did a, de a demo bout. And we set it up outside, and, you know, it was insane because it was on a parking lot um, surface. So when you come off the track, the infield was a parking infield lot. Was a parking lot? Yeah, it was oh, freaking, no. it was brutal. Um, I got a concussion that bout, like a pretty bad one. So I missed out on the very first bout in the Coliseum. I couldn't even be there. The concussion was so bad that I couldn't handle the noise and the lights oh, and wow. all that stuff. So, oh, well, oh, wait a minute. But or, that was the, the, the bank track first bout at the Coliseum. I wasn't there, but I was at the Coliseum prior when it was flat track. So there were flat track games going on in the Coliseum. Yes. Oh. See, this is, I didn't know this either. Yeah. So that's, that's good. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Information to know. So playing flat track and or bank track at the Coliseum. Yeah how i mean so flat track at the coliseum man i remember that that was a big deal and everybody just rolled out together and we did this thing where the whole league like came from backstage all the skaters just rolled out awesome yeah, yeah. it was cool and everybody was so stoked um that floor was that concrete um some friends of mine at the time owned a production company and they sponsored the league and they did like the scoreboard and the video screens and the lighting and they made it just look really badass and um the was it the floor taped <laughs> or maybe it was like lights or something i don't remember exactly i think it was like one of those little string lights type of thing that you could roll over but um that was amazing. I felt like, you know, felt famous or something. It yeah, was that's... just like, I can't believe I'm performing here. I think everybody felt yeah. pretty amazing there. And especially if like either you're a native or like lived in Phoenix or the Phoenix metro area, mm -hmm. you know of the Madhouse on McDowell, the yep. Suns games and all that. Cause I used to go to Suns games there all the time. And uh, yeah, and then seeing roller derby there, I was like, man, this is awesome. I wonder what it's like to here. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I, I'm not a native of Arizona. So I moved here when I was a teenager. Well, I was in, in senior in high school. And so I didn't really have much of um, a, a history or memory of anything to do with the Coliseum. But I knew it was, a, look at it. It's badass. It's a Coliseum. Yeah. And there's all these seats. And, you know, I heard that the Suns used to play there. So, yeah. How much uh, flat track was played there before it switched over to the bank track? Why can't I? I think just one season. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, I think it was the fifth. Our fifth season was, wow, my history memory is bad. I haven't had to think about all the numbers and dates, but um, I'm pretty sure like we went from the castle to the Coliseum and we had one flat track um, season there maybe we had two or one and a half. I don't know, but we were there doing flat first and then we did the bank. So much fun. The coffin draggers, my all time favorite team. What were some of these experiences for you being a part of the team of dead body zombies? <laughs> oh man, it was fun. We got to 
be silly all the time. Every day's Halloween as a coffin dragger or not. I'm still everything. Every day's Halloween for <laughs> yeah. me. But we got to dress up and wear fun costumes. And the theme is so easy to really play off. So, I mean, it, it was it was great. The belt makeup. Who was normally in charge of that? Or did you guys just kind of go nuts with it at first? We all went nuts with it. There were a few girls on the team that probably would help everybody else. I did my own makeup. I would help some people occasionally do their makeup. Ginger Mortis is a makeup artist. Was at by well, she still is by profession, so she helped everybody. Um, but it was a team effort. We all had like a gallon of blood sitting around <laughs> and all of the other stuff, and we would share. Rubbing it all over those white uniforms. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I um I I did all the blood. We did a a photo shoot when I was captain of the coffin draggers. I did a photo shoot with the new times with the other captains, mm -hmm. and we used like two gallons of blood at that photo shoot. But I got to a a stage in my career where I stopped wearing the blood. I only did the black makeup yeah. just because of um my my hubby um he's retired now but he dealt with a lot of like work experiences where it was um traumatic for him and you know i didn't want to wear blood all over me it wasn't fun anymore for yeah. for us so i mean it, it was cool i didn't tell anybody not to wear the blood but i just stopped i just, just wore stopped. extra black <laughs> yeah respectable yeah <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, you, the photo shoots, I mean, like, those are those are part of my favorite things, being a fan whenever I'd see pictures of those and, like, seeing even recent ones, like the shoot you guys did recently mm -hmm. with them out on the ramps, always my favorites. As a, uh, you know, co-captain and captain of a team, what were some of your duties like? Oh, to help everybody get better, to help the teams become a team and, well, we Oh boy, when I became captain of the Coffin Draggers, it was kind of a weird thing. Um, a bunch of the Coffin Draggers created the Runaway Brides. So, um, remember Anne Thrash? Yeah. So Anne Thrash was co-captain when Susie Homewrecker was the captain. And then Anne Thrash um, was asked to captain the Brides, the Runaway Brides. And so her and like Almost half of the coffin draggers went to that team. And then um, Susie was still the captain of the coffin draggers, and I became the co captain. And then um, one day I found out that I was the captain. <laughs> so I, I was the captain of the coffin draggers. And it was hard because there were like eight of us total on the team. And we weren't like all the best skaters either. And so I, you know, with a sports background, I was thinking, all right, what am I going to do to help my team not get our asses kicked all the time? And how are we going to get into shape? And so, you know, as a captain, you've got to be the leader and pull everybody together and be everybody's biggest fan and everybody's, you know, person that they can rely on to, you know, improve the skating. So I, I um, started with endurance and I made everybody sprint all the time but I don't know. <laughs> it was, it was tough. There was a fan who would show up at every game. Yeah. In full makeup huh. and have that, 
wooden coffin or sorts. Yeah. Who was the coffin dragger? Who was it? You don't know? Our audience doesn't know. Oh, okay. So that that's Judd. Yes. Judd is awesome. Um, I remember the first time he showed up, though. He showed up all dressed up, like you said, dragging a, a full-size coffin <laughs> with all the coffin draggers' names somewhere. And I kind of was a little bit nervous. <laughs> I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, I hope he doesn't mean he's going to drag me around in that coffin. This guy, I'm a little bit nervous. But turns out he he's just a super awesome dude, great fan, super supportive fun he comes from a theatrical background mm -hmm. where um where he was a performing and performing on stage i believe his fam whole family did that and then i ended up becoming um even closer to him later because he worked at the goldfield ghost town where my apothecary is yeah he's a super cool dude he I, is i would chat him up from uh, time to time at games he's just so rad i loved his uh I mean, you know, being a pro wrestling fan and stuff and like people getting that into roller derby too is what really got me into wanting to play it. I was like, man, you know, people get this into this fucking <laughs> hey, this is <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, they do. He was he was one of the fans that got dressed up. I think he stood out the most, but we had a lot of fans that would show up in full makeup mm -hmm. and dress like they're wearing our uniforms and just, it, it gave them an opportunity to get dressed up and have fun too. Right. And I, I think people probably still do it, but I'm not sure. Yeah. But maybe maybe not on, as... on some, some degree yeah. of sorts. Like I know, I know there's a lot of those uh, theatrics and stuff in uh, Texas. Okay. Like they still do the, the wheel and then the pillow fights and Blech. stuff. I follow a couple of the gals that skate there. Yeah, I mean, I'm uh, me with a spoon. With you're probably gonna ask about skate. all that stuff at some point. I have my my feelings about all of those things. I do as well. Um, <laughs> were you on any other teams when you were an active player? So when I got my concussion. And then I went back. I was still coffin dragger. And then I had another injury. What was the other injury? I don't remember. I've I was injured a few times and, you know, healed up and came back sort of thing. But before I became decided to become a regulator referee, um, I was on the Brutal Beauties for about two minutes. <laughs> so I just I was a ref and then I was like, I want to be a skater again. Oh, wait. Oh, wait a minute. I don't know my own history. That was wrong. So I got hurt. I became a ref and then I decided to be a home skater again. And that's when I was on the Brutal Beauties for two minutes. And then I tore my ACL at a practice right before my first bout as a Brutal Beauty. And then I decided, okay, I'm, I'm going to chill out a little bit okay. and I'm going to be a regulator. <laughs> so yeah, Coffin Dragger, most of my um, skating career and then brutal beauty for a minute. I was also a hot shot, which was Lady Lux the first season. I was just about to ask, weren't you on the hot shots roster at one point or another? Oh yeah. And is the hot shots name a play on the fire department? Yeah. Out okay, I thought so. Yeah, the hot shots of the, the wildland firefighters. Yeah, wildland firefighters. Yep. I thought so. I was like, I'm gonna have to ask Dolly this because yes. she is from the older 
times of probably when the hot shots came about. Yep. You know. So, but our our AZDD's um um all star team, <clears throat> excuse me, the first name was Lady Lux. Yeah. And it was spelled L U X the first year. And then it became Lady Lux, regular L U C K S, whatever. And then it became the Hot Shots. Okay. Once we were Bank Track, I think that's when we switched oh, okay. to Hot Shots. Okay. Yeah, I always thought that was like a, a super cool yep. name. And I'm like, I wonder if it's that, you know, because living here for mm. so long, like I've been familiar with what the yeah. Wildland firefighters were called. And I've actually seen Alan on the news ah, a couple of times. Yeah. Too. Um, yeah, I was on the All Star team every year except for one. And what was what was that like for you? We we got a f- about five minutes before it'll cut off, but we can just start another one. But. Okay. What was it like being a, a hot yes, shot or all star? All star team. Oh, yeah. I fucking loved it. Are you kidding me? I wanted to skate with people outside of our league and and skate at that level. All my life um, playing sports, I always liked to play with people better than me or people that were you know excelling at the sport because it just helps you to get better. So having that opportunity to skate with skaters that I admired and that were badass and amazing, like when Team Legit kicked mm-hmm. my ass, I got to learn, you know, I got my ass kicked, but I got to witness what was capable, what people are capable of. And like, it helped you think outside of your own box, you know? And so, yeah, I love the opportunity to be on the all-star team. Yeah. Did you play in the game against the uh, the boys? that one that one game or no were you not on Wh- a, when was that there was a boys versus girls game um in the coliseum was it all-star it was the rattle skates i wasn't allowed no to play I, then. I i don't think i think that maybe okay i think it maybe i might have been a referee okay yeah because i was wondering because i know there was a a like an intergender battle it was the hot shots versus rattle skates roster okay at the time Okay. Like one of the very last Coliseum games, I believe it was okay. like double header. I think. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure I was probably a regulator by then. 2013. <clears throat> yeah, I was. Yeah, it was about 2013. Yes, around that. Um, so how many seasons did you end up playing as a skater? <clears throat> Let me see. Let's see. 2005 to 2007. About seven. About seven seasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah um during those seven seasons how many mvp awards did you acquire i don't remember maybe a handful a handful yeah okay um we will be back with part two all right i don't how many hoodies and shirts i've had through the years that kind of sucked and we are back with dolly de los muertos have you signed any fan autographs over your time playing roller derby yes i have by the by the way i've done that a few times it's always really cool when somebody does that but i still kind of feel a little cringed like okay here you go i'm gonna go hide now but you know it's it's cool you can't deny that it makes you feel good yeah it does because you put all that hard work in at practice now you're performing in front of people who have spent their (laughs) hard-earned money to see a performance, yes. to see a show. Yes. And it's almost an honor to me yes. to uh, get asked for an autograph because they notice that hard work yes. that is being put forward to give them that show. Absolutely. When I'm not announcing, but still 
it's so fun because they're like good job announcing i'm like oh thank you oh, <laughs> you're like really are you sure why are we so critical of ourselves being a part of roller derby for so many years what are some of the most rewarding things that you got out of it um friendships i have the fucking raddest friends in the whole world that i love and love me and are there for the hardest times of your life and support you it's like i have a gang of friends that you know you have a community that you know i can i can uh, even even people that i'm not super close with in the league i feel like you could always round up a bunch of people for a cause um that's my experience i know a lot of people don't have that yeah and it makes me sad to hear that and i hope that i was never one of the people that made anybody feel uncomfortable or bad and i may have been because i was you know being a th theatrical creep <laughs> at times but i mean really i have some of the best friends from roller derby my whole business right now i was just telling you except for one person are roller derby people and um that and also it helped me um improve my mental health which i was going down the tubes pretty hard at the time when i joined so those two things um are really big were you anybody's big sister within the league um so i don't no i wasn't when they started doing the big sister it was like it was a transition period for me i was a regulator i was a skater i was a regular i was a skater but i was also one of the managers at the time and also uh um i was training a lot and i remember prior to the big sister thing happening saying hey we should have like a program where somebody is a mentor to these newbies and um when the big sister thing and little sister thing happened i was stoked that it was happening yeah. because I really um, wished, you know, when we started in the beginning, I wish that I had like a mentor like that. And my captain at the time was kind of that person in a way, but she was that for everybody. So mm -hmm. it wasn't like you had that individual attention. So the big sister and little sister thing I think is, is awesome, but I didn't have one <laughs> and I wasn't one. <laughs> Just a trainer, not a big sister. Yes. All right, so you kind of mentioned this a little bit, but your ultimate decision to step away from the game as an active player. Yes. What was that? Um, it was hard. So because of the, this is part of why, like I couldn't understand what was happening. I kept getting injured once we switched to bank track. I could do it. I could skate on the bank track. I was one of the first skaters on the bank track that could actually sprint and do all the things but so i have my left foot issue okay i can't touch the heel to the ground and bend my knee the leg is weaker it's smaller all those you know sound like a crybaby you know complaining but this is the flat honest truth mm -hmm. and on the bank track you're going left mm -hmm. your left leg needs to be your pivotal leg that is strong and you can do all those things and i can't yeah. So, you know, when I kept getting injured, I would like kind of trace my footsteps back. How did this happen? What did I do? Because I always want to, you know, fix it and prevent it for the next time. And I was like, oh, it's because of the way I put my foot 
blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I decided that the bank track, well, at the time I didn't realize that it was the bank track, but because of all the injuries, I was like, I don't want to keep getting injured. At the time I was, I'm 50, I'm going to be 52 next month. So I was in my forties and I wasn't healing as quick and I didn't want to get any more injuries. The torn ACL was my last injury. And it was because of the weird way I would stop on my toe stop on this leg and I got hit and popped the ACL torn all the way through. It took me almost twice as long to heal it as most people because of the way my, my leg is. <clears throat> and so <clears throat> that is why I stopped. I didn't want to get injured anymore, but <clears throat> I figured I could still referee. And when I came back from my concussion and was a referee, the activity, I was telling you, Sedator, that the activity of being physical and then using your brain to memorize 40 pages of rules and calling penalties and counting points at the same time, that's really good for your brain health to be active and using your brain at the same time to that extent. And I feel like it helped me recover from my concussion a lot quicker. Um, and so when I went back to skating and tore my ACL and decided I didn't want to get injured anymore, I was like, I'm just going to keep roughing. I really enjoy it. It's um, as long as I'm on my skates, I'm active. I'm still sprinting and um, I'm using my brain. And, and as I'm getting older, it's probably a good thing for me. You know, I'm, I worked in the medical field. I'm a holistic nutritionist. So I understand I was learning and understanding how, how great it actually was for my health in, you know, as I age and everything to continue to do that. So I decided to just stick there. I do occasionally have thoughts where I'm like, I could be a skater again, but and I just, I don't want to get injured anymore. But there's been a few times I've, I did the scrimmage in April. You I, know? yeah, I was just going to say, <laughs> I, I, that was a pleasure to have you and Nashti out there. Yeah, that was fun. That was so awesome. It was so cool. And then it reminded me, okay, yeah, it's this bank track, the, all the pressure on my left leg. Cause I ended up spraining that ankle shortly after that doing something that didn't make any sense. It's because my left leg's weak. It just can't handle it. I can skate like a mofo flat track though. So I have had that in my head. Oh, maybe I just want to do a, do flat track, just be a flat track skater because there's not all that weight on my left leg. Um, but I'm just going to stick with regulating. I enjoy it. Well, if you ever want to, get into some flat track and yeah. maybe introduce yourself into it drop it in a phoenix roller derby practice we'd love to have you thank you um so learning how to be a referee being a player did that kind of help out when learning the hand signals and things of that nature or <laughs> that was like completely oh god i didn't follow the rules what are you talking about <laughs> <laughs> we didn't even oh speaking of rules azdd the first season there was like the rules were one page and yes. nobody followed the rules you know what the hell that was boring so when i became a, a regulator after being a skater um, I was immediately on the battle on the bank, uh, referee team, the LA Derby dolls or the, the, what are they called? The, oh, I can't think of the LA, um, refs right now, their name, they're going to hate me, but I love them. They were like my idols. They still are. Um, they came over here to help us with battle on the bank four. And I was on the, 
the rev, the officiating team for battle on the bank and they gave us all a test and it was right from coming from skating <clears throat> i've failed it and bombed it so hard that i think whoever came from la told my captain of the regulators don't let this person call any penalties they don't know the rules they shouldn't even be a regulator or, or and I, I was that pissed me off i was like motherfucker and i ended, ended up becoming the co-captain and now i take pride in i'm not like perfect at the rules but i'm pretty damn good at knowing the rules but anyways, going from a skater to a regulator with the rules part was a trip, but I could skate and I understood where the skaters were coming from. And I felt like being a skater so hardcore and then becoming a ref, I could see the, I could see the, um, the gap of communication between the skaters and the referees. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I could be somewhat of a liaison to help the skaters understand to help them improve their skating while not, you know, getting all these penalties, but then also help the regulators or the referees understand that, you know, they're not doing this shit on purpose. Just give them a little bit more input so that they can stop or they can learn um, a new strategy mm -hmm. that, you know, is not being a dick. Yeah. Like I mentioned, like before we were skating the ramp, like, yep certain things I do with my hands and whatever, because I kind of have like a, a pretty good basic understanding of what that referee is looking for or what have you being semi familiar with, with like doing it a little bit, you know, and like yep. what I can and can't get away with for the most part. But yeah. Um, <laughs> never get caught up watching the game. Oh, while you have the hey. on. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. I can't, I, I'm not going to deny it. Yeah, there's been a few times where I'm just like, whoa, that's fucking badass. And then I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Got to do your job. <laughs> but yeah, how could you not? How could you not? Like with some of these amazing skaters doing these amazing things, it's just like, holy shit, that was a badass move. Yeah amazing skaters and badass moves how was referee how was being a regulator at the uh roller rage tournament amazing and we were talking about that earlier uh, the satellites blew my mind and i just could not wait to um ref for them i got lucky i got chosen for the championship out to be one of the jam refs mm -hmm. which i was hoping i would and i did because i totally wanted a jam ref for those skaters that were skating a million miles an hour i enjoy skating fast and i enjoy skate um jam refing for amazing jammers and they are amazing the jumps were phenomenal i think they had wings <laughs> and I, it was just like mind-blowing but yeah that was probably one of my favorite um bouts to jam ref ever hell yeah i mean like i said those were some amazing games to yeah. watch i didn't you know to be there and calling them it's yes. good to get your perspective on it as well and also if you're ever wanting to jam ref or do some more flat track stuff we're always looking for referees too oh, for okay. our scrimmages yeah as well and usars is very similar to our cdl Okay. See, so right now. That bad of a, okay. So if you ever want to try it, we're always, always looking for awesome to help that out. Master has gotten some questions for you about the apothecary. So we're going to turn the interview oh, over to Master. Okay. 
Yes. So, um, real quick. Um, so Dolly runs Siphon Draw Apothecary and is um, our lovely show sponsor. Um, amazing products. So many questions. So, um, when did you first get into like the holistic remedies? Oh, I got into that. I went to school to become a, a phlebotomist in 2008. And then um, when I graduated, I ended up working for Dr. Burr, who was one of, he was an MD who only practiced natural medicine. And he was probably already doing that for 40 years when I started working for him, but he was one of the top holistic doctors in the world people from all over the world would come to see him literally from other countries would come to see him and he was busy all the time and i worked in his lab and because he wasn't using any drugs um he um i was allowed to do like ivs and injectables and all kinds of um procedures that nurses would normally do and um at the time when i start working for him i was on all kinds of meds for my mental health like we talked about earlier and um it was managed with the medications but you know with medications you're overweight you're you're relying on them to go to sleep um they're not 100% you're kind of numbed out and all that kind of stuff but i was still living thank god um but i was skeptical of this this doctor and all of his you know techniques and his recommendations i was like oh great i'm working for a witch doctor which i like witch doctors <laughs> but you know i was not working in a typical conventional medical doctor's office and i had no experience with that and i always thought it was bullshit, quite frankly before but i was witnessing patients come into his office who had you know, gone to like Mayo Clinic and the top doctors in the world and were told, sorry, we can't do anything else for you. This is it. So they would go to him as a last resort. Like, I don't want to die. Can you do something? And I would administer his treatments and I would watch people thrive and go the other direction and like be vibrant again. And I was just like, holy shit, this is like working. You know, obviously some people didn't work. They, it wasn't their time. It was their time to go, but I was witnessing what you could consider miracles. And so after, you know, a couple of years of that, I was decided, okay, I'm going to tell this guy the, the truth that I'm on all these meds <laughs> and I'm going to have him start helping me. And he did. And because I was administering all of his treatments and working there, I learned so much about natural medicine. I learned so much about how nature can heal and how if you provide your body what it needs and take out the things that are causing the illness, your body innately heals, period. And um, it, it got me off all the meds. I got off all the meds and reversed all kinds of things that were happening to me. And I got to be the healthiest I had ever been. And I. And he, not only was he a brilliant man and healed people, um, he was a kind man. So I also learned from him how to treat people better and also to be a good employer. Um, he treated his employees, you know, with true compassion and kindness and care. And I mean, he even, he loved his patients so much that I, I he donated, I believe at least um, half of his income to charities and like he had patients that he old elderly women that he'd pay the rent and like he was just the he was a saint um but 
that inspired me. I learned so much there. I had to share it. And prior to being going into the medical field, I worked in the beauty industry for 20 years and I've always been an artist. So in the beauty industry, I used every toxic chemical to help people look beautiful, right. you know, and we used to joke about it. And then working for him and learning more, I realized, oh my gosh, that stuff might be what contributed to me being sick. And then, um, one of the things I didn't learn enough about was food. I love to eat. So I decided to become a holistic nutritionist. So I furthered my education after working for him. And my first thing was I wanted to do food, but I was making skincare, my own little things here and there already. Um, to, but to find a location to open up like a, a restaurant where I could feed people healthy foods and meals and stuff was going to be a lot more expensive than I could afford. But we found this awesome spot available at the Goldfield Ghost Town. And I was like, oh, hell yeah, I love that place. So I went and I signed the lease, but I found out I couldn't open a restaurant. So I was like, I'm going to do everything else that I do. I'm going to make more skincare. I'm going to sell my herbal teas and make herbal tea blends and my supplements, my, my raw local honey, all that sort of thing. And I was really good at it. Having the beauty industry background, being a really good cook, being an artist, understanding natural medicine, learning about holistic nutrition. I can make skincare products like all day long, custom, whatever. And, um, they were working for people. They are working for people for a variety of skin needs. And, um, I love it and I'm stoked. And then, um, like for roller derby, I, I'm still involved in roller derby. I, jam ref the playoffs last night. I'm sore, tired. And by your recommendation, I'll probably use my own pain relief. <laughs> Thank you. But um, a, like the bruises, the praying hands and the original pain, superstition pain relief stick that I created in 2015 um, is like their top sellers. They were created for roller derby injuries and, and pain and practices that hurt so that you can keep skating or that you can recover quicker. And I needed that and I needed it to work. So I made those to fucking work. They are loaded with organic, high quality, non-toxic, you know, not watered down ingredients. So there you go. Yeah, I, I love it. So <clears throat> I've recently noticed you guys do have a sunscreen and being a outside worker, I would like to give that a run and then review that on the show as sure. well. And the mosquito spray in a couple months. I'm probably yeah. going to try out that mosquito spray. Yeah. And I will totally let you know because I got these accounts, boy. Okay. I get eaten alive out there. Audrey and I were trying to rub dryer sheets and shit on each other <laughs> when she goes to work with me. And Aww. we're like getting bit. Like, I don't think this is working. You're like, all right. But yeah, so I saw that the other day. I'm like, I'm going to have to give that a cool. run and I'll talk about that on the show for sure. Um, where, where do you get your ingredients from? Um, a variety of places. Some of the ingredients we actually harvest here in the desert. Um, I own 16 and a quarter acres and then the ghost town is on like 55 acres and they let me harvest. So I have plenty of desert to harvest from. And so we harvest creosote and, um, brittle bush flowers excuse me. And then I use a lot of jojoba oil, prickly pear seed oil. Um, but then, um, beyond that, I start with local. It has to be organic or wild harvested. 
Um, I start with local ingredients and then I just go out as far as I need to to locate the ingredient I'm looking for. Okay. That's, that sounds like so much fun. <laughs> it is. I know, right? It is. It's like an adventure. It is. Yeah. And, you know, it's so peaceful to be out there harvesting plants. It's, like, relaxing. I actually get to ask my employees to pick flowers. It's like, today you need to go pick flowers. <laughs> because <laughs> we're like going to. a video game. Yeah. Elder Scrolls or something. <laughs> nice. Yeah, they go pick flowers that we dry and then um, infuse into the ingredients, infuse oh. into the oils to make the products. I love it. It's so cool. Um, what what was the first product you made? Oh, what it was the first product I made? That's a really good question. I don't remember now. What? <laughs> wow. I, I made like from the get go. I was making scrubs and salves, soap. Judd was the one that kept saying, "You gotta make soap. Oh, <laughs> you nice. gotta make some soap. Gotta get the cauldron out and mix it with the." with the witches get the you know do it on the porch and i was just like oh yeah that sounds like fun let's do it. it i don't actually make soap in a like a legit cauldron but you know i guess it's my kind of cauldron oh that's so awesome <laughs> um what's your favorite thing to make hmm i really like making soap but i like to formulate the recipes so I say to myself, what do I want to accomplish with this skincare product? And what ingredients do I know of that help to support the body to make that healing or accomplish that thing? And um, that's the fun part, creating the, re creating the recipe. And then you take it to the production room and you try it out and you might have to adjust some things. Um, or you'll be in there and be like, oh, wait, I forgot about that ingredient. And then you add something else. But um, I like to formulate. Yeah, I was and and um, I was looking at the ingredients yeah. on the containers, Googling everything. <laughs> and it is so cool how much nature is really there for us. If yeah. We just use it appropriately. Yep. So you give uh uh, little packages to people who have been on the show. I do. We have had a junior skater oh. that has been on the show. Sweet. What kind of stuff would you recommend for junior athletes that we might be interviewing and what could be safe for them and would fly with their parents? Sure. So everything that I make would be safe for the junior skaters as well. Um, all the ingredients um, in my products are organic and non-toxic. There's nothing synthetic and there's nothing in quantities that would be unsafe for a junior skater. Now, if you get into infants and stuff, sometimes the high quantities of essential oils might be a bit much for them, but um, they're, they're good. So but as far as like what I would recommend for the junior skaters, there are some products that we have at the apothecary that are fun. Um, besides for just a, a necessity, you know, making sure your skin is soft. If you have eczema, something to help soothe it, soap to wash your body, blah, blah, blah. We make bath bombs that are like shaped like wheels. They're called skater dye bath bombs. I've got the little witch's cauldron, the witch's brew bath bomb that you drop it in the water and all the bath bomb powders bubble out of the cauldron and it's really yeah. cool. So there's some things that we're making that are fun, um, but we we make sure everything is still effective at the same time. Yeah. I love it. Great. Are you uh, done with these? Or you still yeah. Yeah. More? No, that you was... know what? There is something I wanted to tell you 
about the apothecary too that I would love for people to know is I do fundraisers. I don't know if you're aware of that. No, we're not. Yeah. So the apothecary does fundraisers where you would sell the apothecary products <clears throat> and you get 40%. Oh, okay. And oh. it's really easy. I totally walk you through it. You have the website, you get like a little handout where you could show the products and they, you know, if you sell it to whoever and they say, all right, I want this, you tell them the price, they pay you. And then you just, you have the money right off the bat. You pay me the wholesale price basically. And then we could either just give you everything that um, they purchased and you would hand it out individually. But we also offer shipping as well we could ship oh, cool. it to people but it's really simple um i would explain it better if anybody's interested but i've done fundraisers with multiple teams texas does it a lot joliet jane mm -hmm. um the coffin draggers just did one and they're all they've all done really well and be you know i do a high percentage for roller derby fundraisers because i support roller derby yes, thank <laughs> you know you so much we're going to have to uh, yeah, definitely get on that, that with our yeah. with Phoenix Roller Derby for sure. Um, you mentioned that you're an artist yeah. and you recently acquired an art gallery. I did. <clears throat> under some circumstances, but it yeah. has been, you've mentioned a lifelong dream of yours to own yes. an art gallery. Yes. So if you can touch on a little bit on how you came about to becoming the owner and um other information sure from there so the gallery at the ghost town was owned by monica schaefer and when i started at the ghost town with my apothecary one of the things i wanted to do was sell some artwork but we don't compete there and so i went to go visit monica the other artist because the owner said i could do the art and i was like i was going to do some art and she was just looking at me like i'm going to stab you in your face you're not doing any art <laughs> So, you know, I, res I respected her because that was all her business. So I was like, okay, I'm not going to do a lot of art. But we became friends, her and I. And um, she would come into the apothecary with her mom and they would buy soaps. She was from Germany originally. And then we'd, I'd go into our gallery and chat with her. But anyway, she got sick and um, she passed away. And one of the things she was worried about was her son. Her son is sick and she took care of him and then also worried about her art because she's got so much art that she she's left behind, left behind. Amazing yeah. stuff. I yeah. mean, I was staring at it and I'm like, holy smokes, I'm just getting lost in these. <laughs> yep. Yeah. She's got enough art at her house to fill the gallery again. Um, so she was worried about her art. Who's going to take care of that? Who's going to take care of her son? And she really wanted the gallery to remain a gallery. So um, I contacted Scott, who is um, taking care of her estate right now, who I'm friends with from the ghost town. He used to own a business there. I was like, hey, I, I want the gallery. Like, I'm an artist. I want to keep it a gallery and I'll help you take care of Monica's art. So right now what we're doing is um, the gallery is still filled with all her art. All of the um, profits are going to her estate to take care of her son. Um, we're taking care of all of her art. I'm going to sell it and, you know, he, Scott's taking care of the monies and everything. And then I'm slowly adding my own art in there. And eventually it, once Monica's art is all sold, it'll still be a gallery because it'll be mine. Mm -hmm. And I'll probably do some local artists, feature local artists as well. Um, but it came about kind of out of nowhere and I wasn't like prepared to fill a gallery with my own art. 
but that's okay because I don't need to right now. I need to take care of Monica's. And so that's what's happening. Is there, um, if you're say not from around here and you can't make it out to the gallery, is there yeah. a website to view this art and possibly purchase it online for people who live yes. in town? So I do have a website for the apothecary, siphondraw.com. And that is where I have my little category gallery um, where you can go look. And I have not uploaded Monica's artwork yet, but I plan to do it over the next month or so. Um, but it'll be there to purchase and my art will be on the website as well. But I am going to be doing paint nights there too. Um, oh. The first one is Friday, this oh, coming Friday. Awesome. Yeah. Because that rad little kid that came with me to go skate that ramp is an artiste. Herself, ah, cool. And I'm sure she would like to uh, get in on some of that. She's not here till June 24th. Cool. So um, I don't know what you're doing, you know, what, yeah. what kind of classes or what have you you're doing over the summertime. But I'm sure she would be uh, yeah, pretty we, interested we'll in All right. learning yeah, some stuff. We'll, we'll plan it. Okay. Uh, another thing that I have planned is, um, what's the date on it? It might be June 30th, actually. I have to double check that date. But we're going to start something called Last Friday's Art Walk at the Gallery in the Ghost okay. Town. Oh, so fun. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I like that. Like, yeah. yeah. Oh, we're going to have to hit that up. Yeah, and it'll be Last Ooh. Friday's. <laughs> yeah, fun. Yeah. That that's so much fun. Um, <clears throat> I think we're, uh, I didn't want to leave without talking about the bees. Ah, I'm to talk about the bees. Buzz. <laughs> okay. Yes. <laughs> Let's talk about these bees master. Yes. So you're a beekeeper. Yes. And you make your own honey. Well, I don't make it. The bees make yes, it. The bees make it. You put it in a jar. <laughs> I do. Which by the way, a question that I've been, you know, pondering is what do bees make honey for? They eat it. They it's eat their, it. Yeah, it's okay. their food. They eat the yeah. Meat, so they don't just make it for bears. No. Okay. Okay. <laughs> no. Or people. They yes. make it for me. They're like, oh, yes. Colleen's hungry. Working so no. hard. No, they they make it for themselves. There's there there's all kinds of stuff in their in their hive and in their comb that support them nutritionally but um as a beekeeper um when the bees are right now the bees are collecting nectar it's that time of year and they bring it back to their hive to feed everybody and as a beekeeper what you do is you you put supers so the the beehives are boxes minor boxes you got a bottom box and then that second box and usually the third and fourth box up top is where um they're going to start doing excess honey I don't ever steal all their honey. I make sure that they have what they need to survive and that sort of thing. But they're workers, man. And if you if you fill it up, if you give them enough space at the right amount, right times, um, they're going to keep filling it up with the nectar. And then after um, the flow stops, then I go in there and I take a box or maybe two if there's that much and spin the frames and get the honey from it. But the, the reason I became a beekeeper is, you know, I really like eating the honey and also I use it in my skincare products because honey is like the number one first most amazing skincare ingredient. But um, I learned from referees. So um, Mike Moffitt, who was Roscoe D. Soul Train, mm -hmm. uh, Spike, um, the two of them were beekeepers and they taught me. So oh, I got, I, yeah, cool. I got really lucky um, to learn from them. 
I wish that I got to learn longer. I'm not like the most um, educated or experienced, but I know my way around. I'm able to collect the honey myself, but um, I do it on a small scale. Right now I'm using my honey, but I'm also using some other local beekeepers honey and because um, I go through a lot of the honey and I, I enjoy it. It's, it's not, I wouldn't say it's easy work, but it's pretty cool. I, I used to be terrified of bees. <laughs> How long have you been doing this for? When did they teach me? Well, since the beginning of the apothecary. So that's oh, like nine years. Heck yeah. Wow. Holy crap. It's been that long. We're going to, we're going to have to have a segment. Um, I think maybe of, have you seen my bee? Have you seen my bee? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. How cute. I brought bee. Rico so he could maybe make some friends sometime. Oh, how cute. <laughs> yeah. I love, and I'm so excited about the beekeeping. <laughs> and we're, uh, we're, I don't know what kind of uh, in you got on a couple of bee suits because we would like to have when we have a video element. Yeah, we do want to do stuff um, with you. Yeah, making soap, have video segments. Sure, if you're cool with that. Beekeeping with Dolly Dayless Muertos. Yeah, I think these would be super cute, and uh, also Abby Arsenic too. Okay, she's mentioned she's uh, starting out doing stained glass, and um, yeah, that's something I would like to learn, and it would be sweet content to get fun her stuff out there yep. and your stuff with the apothecary as well cool yeah i have a, i have a few bee, bee suits but i need um i want to get more right now the location of where my bees are out um might change but i'm not sure but i have to invest in some equipment and things but the couple i have two three bee suits right now so technically we could do it all right. Well, <laughs> we will definitely have to put that on the schedule all right. for sure. See all the bees making honey. <laughs> all right. So at this time, we would like to thank our show artist, Cherry Jane, for the sweet logo. If you would like to see some of her artwork, it, she is at Art by Cherry Jane on Instagram. She's currently running a bit of a special on Cupie Pie drawings, but she does not just limit herself with that. Um, I encourage you to go check out her artwork. We are sitting here with our show sponsor, Dolly Dayless Muertos of the Siphon Draw Apothecary. Um, she's mentioned a lot of the products that is sold in the store. If you would like to check them out online, it is siphondraw.com. Also, you can see some of the artwork at the gallery tab on the website. If you are local or visiting Arizona and you are out on the beautiful east side of town near the gorgeous Superstition Mountains, you will find at 4650 North Mammoth Mine Road, Apache Junction, Arizona, 85119, Goldfield Ghost Town. And that is the location of Siphon Draw Apothecary. <clears throat> if you are listening on Apple or Spotify, please rate and review. That's where you can find the show. If you are just listening for the first time, you've stumbled across the program. And we would like to remind everybody to always look twice and save life. Motorcycles are everywhere. This is the Boogeyman and Master Sedator. Meow. <laughs> Returning back under the bed, but never into the closet. Thank you so much, Dolly, for being on the program. And thank thank you. you so much for sponsoring the show. It means a lot to us.
I appreciate your show. Yes, thank you. All right, thank you so much. And thanks for the ramp session too. Um, it's I fucking love coming here. <laughs> Anytime. And, and seeing the ramp because, I mean, you got the Superstition Mountains right there. That's my favorite mountain range here Same. within the valley. Uh, you know, the other ones are pretty, but. This, yeah, there's something really special about this one. Is special. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And again, please rate, review, and subscribe to the show to stay up on new episodes. Thank you so much.